Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. You've joined us at Wonderful, a podcast where we talk about things that are good, that we like, that we are into. Mm-hmm. This one's coming at you a little bit late. Um, blame, Zel- blame Ganondorf. <laughs> I blame game. I blame Ganondorf for his evil, his treacherous magical acts. Griffin is an official Zelda correspondent. He is out on the Zelda fields yeah. reporting every swing of the sword. Yeah. And Rachel's bada ba 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 loving it. And I just every <laughs> three minutes I lean over. I'm like, I made a bird out of a fan <laughs> and some wood. And she's like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm very happy for you. I'm glad to be- you have been very supportive. Yes. Um here and- here's a tip. Uh, if you have lost your lover to Zelda, mm. every once in a while I just turn to Griffin and I say, hey, be with me. Yeah. And he will always do it. That's true. And that is all I need. And sometimes I'll look at you while I'm playing Zelda. I'll be like, be be with me in Hyrule. <laughs> and you'll be like, it's not a two-player video game. Um, yet. Yet. But Rachel's working on... <laughs> I got some stuff Rachel's happening. Rachel's got some stuff in the hopper, some tools. She's yeah, been learning some, C++. Got some cardboard. Got some uh, cardboard. And some brads. Mm-hmm. Been making a lot of sort of dioramas, life-size. <laughs> yeah. We're all very excited to see how those turn out. Do you have any small wonders? Oh, do I? Do you? Oh, I don't know. Can I... Mm, I've been doing a lot of research on uh, high fiber foods for our youngest son. This can't possibly be it. <laughs> there's no, there's got, no way that this is a thing that brings <laughs> you joy. I got a papaya today, and I don't know anything about it. I don't no. know what to do with it. Kind of scared of it. I'll be honest. Yeah, it's very big. It's huge. <laughs> um, but uh, the woman that takes care. Of our son during the day so that we can work. Does know about papayas. Yes. And she said, I will help guide you on this journey. And I do appreciate that. And I handed her this giant thing and she said, it is not ready yet. And I said, thank you. I'm so glad to hear that. Is it, does it shrink as it ripens? This fucking thing is the size of my head. It's so, it's it's roughly, it's the size of a small watermelon. I'm not 100% sure I've intentionally eaten papaya before are you sure you bought a papaya and <laughs> buy some sort of like angry squash it looks like i think they're supposed to look um i mean we'll see when we open it up yeah i know what a squash looks like on the inside gun to my head i couldn't tell you what a papaya tastes like i know, I know here's I, the thing. I have eaten it yeah it seems like the kind of thing when we've like been to a resort they were like oh hey here's some papaya on your plate and we've probably eaten it and gone like thank you that was good i definitely got some at uh, tiki Tatsu, yeah. We, oh, we had some, okay. Like a papaya salad thing they had. Yeah. I've had it before. I just, I got, just can't recall what it. Yeah, I get it mixed up with mango in my flavor, yeah. my flavor palace, <laughs> which is like my mind palace where I store all the flavors of food I've eaten away in. <laughs> you know, I have that right. Any, that's my small wonders. My flavor palace. You say any any food I've ever eaten. Here's the I problem, exactly though, right? Like, like I personally like a bell pepper. In your flavor palace, you know that you don't. No, yeah, but it's still in there. It's just like in the basement. Like, yeah, but here's the thing: maybe you should go down to the basement and no, no, no. There's some <laughs> flavors down there that I mustn't. It's like the Evil Dead down there. I have it chained. It's a hatch under a rug, chained shut. I keep bell peppers down there. I keep malort down there. 
Um, just the just I save only the foulest stuff that I put in there. You know, it would be a fun a fun thing for us to do because our oldest son is very vegetable averse. Mm. Uh, and there's definitely some crossover. I mean, there are vegetables that he assumes he doesn't like, and I can't really argue with him. Yeah. I think it would be fun for all of us as a family to get together and just try and stumble through. A, ve- a vegetable tray, just a tray of it. Ve- You're saying it would be a fun afternoon if the four of us <laughs> got got a vegetable tray and sat there and said, no one is leaving this fucking room until this tray of vegetables is empty. Henry has a real gift for describing things very precisely. I think yeah. it would be fun for all of us to be like, now what horrible thing does this taste like to you? Yeah. I think that would establish some pretty healthy <laughs> food relationships. We watched an episode uh, of Queer Eye, which we have been enjoying, this new batch of episodes, and there was a woman who was very uncomfortable with green, All-timer. green vegetables, and I would say Anthony was very patient with her, but Griffin and I were watching it, and we're like, this is pretty representative of the majority of people, I would say. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> She kept eating things and saying, this this tastes so green. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, actually, yeah, that's, that's, a, fair. Hard, that's yeah. a very good, accurate way of describing when food doesn't taste good sometimes. <laughs> and I, I, I do agree with you. Do you, you do go first this week. I do go first this week. Go. Let's do it. Let's rock. I've got uh, a trip planned for us, and that is a trip. Uh, to the poetry corner. I would love to go to the poetry corner this afternoon with you. Mm-hmm. Um, take my hand. I'll take your hand, rather. Yeah, I would like to lead because I feel like I know how to get there. Yeah, I would have a one in four shot of taking <laughs> us to the corner of the room where the poetry is stored. Mm-hmm. But you would know the way, so please. Um, the poet. poet cool. The poet. <laughs> I almost said poem, and then I pivoted. That was awesome. Thank you. Uh, I couldn't tell. <laughs> His, the poet is Ted Kuzer. Awesome name. It's a very fun name. Yeah. Uh, That's perfect, actually. The name is perfect. I've just decided. <laughs> it's K-O-O-S-E-R, which is arguably the best way to spell it, too. Yeah, sure. Ted. Ted. Ted's uh, such a strong name. Uh, Okay. I don't actually, to my knowledge, it is not that it is short for Theodore. Oh, no, it is. Never mind. <laughs> what a such huge called shot you just made. You're like, oh, man, my boy Ted Kuzer, though, he keeps it 100. That's just his name, guys, I think. I guess I thought there would be like an equal amount. If his name was Theodore, I would see a lot of Theodore and or Ted. And I saw exclusively Ted. But now I am on the Wikipedia page. And I can tell you confidently that it is in fact Theodore. Theodore (laughs) Kuzer is tired. Ted Ted Kuzer is wired for sure. (laughs) He's made some good choices with his name. Uh, this is a poet um, who has been in the game for a long, long time. Um, I don't know that I've read as much of his poems as I've just like seen his name around. You know, Probably as you do. Because it's a memorable. It, you won't. You don't forget That's when you see this one pop true. up on a website. That's very true. He started um, publishing books of poetry uh, in the late '60s, early '70s. Um, and he is still around today. He is a uh, professor emeritus at the University of Nebraska. Um, he is. So 
I, a lot of times I think about like you used to have to write this and I believe Rachel, our editor does now, which is like how you classify how the you thing. summarize the subject. Yeah. So I'm going to say he is my favorite great plains poet. <laughs> how do you pick though? <laughs> That's what a, what a tough choice. He's very Nebraska. I don't know a lot okay. of, have you met anyone from Nebraska? No, I saw the movie. Wasn't there a movie called Nebraska that came out where, and it was like the guy had a lottery ticket. Oh, does that have Will Forte? Will Forte was in it. Yeah. Did we watch that? I think we did. (laughs) I feel like I've met one person from Nebraska. Um, I was going to ask you, this is a fun little pop quiz, not at all designed to um, make you feel inadequate, but could you tell me where Nebraska is? Where Nebraska is. Yes. I feel like it's always more south than I expect. Um, Okay. I'm going to, it's definitely on the left, middle, middle left. Uh huh. Um, I want to say it's close to Kansas. Yes. And Iowa. No. Yes. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I kind of crushed it, actually. Yeah, it no, you did really good. Split the uprights. There. It is above Kansas, uh, to the left of Iowa. It actually shares a very small border with Missouri. Uh, above it is South Dakota, Wyoming to the left, uh, Southwest Colorado. I have met somebody from Nebraska. I've met somebody from every state with the MTV 2008. Oh, there you go. Jane was her name. Wow, she's like deep in the political scene. I still follow her on Facebook. That's wild. Yeah. She's still in Nebraska? She's still in Nebraska. She's still repping. So that's, that's, that is the thing about uh, Ted is he has spent the majority of his kind of life in Nebraska. Um, he Before that, he, uh, he graduated from Iowa State University. And then- Huge, rival, huge basketball rivals with the <laughs> Nebraska State University, which is a college, I bet. This is this is what makes Ted so relatable. You know, you think of uh, your poets, you know, and they're like ivory towers. And they're like fancy with their fancy cigarettes. Escargot and their fancy cigarettes. And their expensive whiskeys. Yeah. Um, he enrolled in a graduate writing program at the University of Nebraska and then flunked out a year later. Hell yeah. And took a entry level job with an insurance company in Nebraska. Uh, and he uh, stayed there for 35 years. Jesus Christ. Not, not that specific insurance company. He worked, uh, he worked for two different insurance companies um, in that time period. But he ended up becoming vice president. And what he would do is he would write in the morning. He would wake up at 5.30 in the morning. And from 5.30 to 7, he would write. And apparently in the, like, 35 years uh, that he worked there, he published seven books of poetry. Wow. I think the description of this segment could also say Rachel's favorite insurance agent. You say that? Wallace Stevens was also in insurance. There were actually a lot of people who were in insurance. <laughs> I should watch my mouth. This this may, um, this may surprise you, but it is difficult to make a, a living as a poet. So it is not uncommon. I mean, I would say in the in the world of the MFA, maybe you'll see some more poets that just do poetry for their lives. But back in the day, insurance. How do you? Yeah, insurance, insurance pays the bills. Well, an insurance of all the industries is perhaps the most rich. You know, with metaphor and oh and yeah, beauty and, and beauty, <laughs> kindness, 
<laughs> generosity of the human spirit. Uh, I mean, <laughs> so I didn't just say like he he is so Nebraska <laughs> because he went to graduate school there and I have to imagine his insurance that company there. He writes about Nebraska. Otherwise, what you said could come off as like the weirdest, most specific <laughs> insult. <laughs> Uh yeah no so he I mean he is he is considered a great plains poet um a, a lot of people will reference his kind of his his sense of like the landscape in the American Midwest and and just kind of speaking to that very like regional part of the country um so I wanted to give you an example uh this poem is called the early bird. Uh, it was published in Poetry Magazine 2003. The Early Bird Still dark and raining hard on a cold May morning, and yet the early bird is out there chirping, chirping its sweet, sour, wooden, pulley notes, pleased, it would seem, to be given work, hauling the heavy bucket of dawn up from the darkness, note over note, and letting us drink. That's good. That's a short. Yeah, that one was a short one. Got in, got out. Did what it needed to do. I like that. He does a lot of those, those short ones. Um, the thing I like, there's a real opportunity when you grow up in that area of the country to kind of, and, and this is probably something that will speak to you too, uh, like to not have that kind of pride in what some people would consider like the simplicity of that experience. Right. You know, like it's not a particularly urban area. It's not known for like mountains or, you know, rivers or anything like particular. I mean, Nebraska, like, as I mentioned, I have not met a lot of people in Nebraska. There's a real opportunity for him to move on from that, but he loves and celebrates that place and still lives there today. And it's very evident in his work. Uh, and I think it's really inspiring to people who are pursuing poetry to like recognize like, you're okay right where you are. Yeah. You know, there's a lot to say about exactly where you're located. We have tried to engender that for for West Virginia as much as much as is possible. Mm -hmm. uh, I will say West Virginia is incredibly beautiful. Sure. Um, I'm sure Nebraska. You're talking a lot of yay about Nebraska. I can see it on your face where every time you say something, you're like, oh, was that mean to Nebraska? To Nebraska? No, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I'm from Missouri. You know, I don't have a lot to stand on. Like, I'm from another state that people probably don't know a lot about. Yeah. Um, I wanted to read one more poem since that one was so short. Uh, and the poem, appropriately, is called So This Is Nebraska. Cool. The gravel road rides with a slow gallop over the fields, the telephone line streaming behind its billow of dust full of the sparks of red-winged blackbirds. On either side, those dear old ladies, the loosening barns, their little windows dulled by cataracts of hay and cobwebs, hide broken tractors under their skirts. So this is Nebraska, a Sunday afternoon, July, driving along with your hand out squeezing the air, a meadowlark waiting on every post. Behind a shelter belt of cedars, top deep in hollyhocks, pollen and bees a pickup kicks its fenders off and settles back to read the clouds you feel like that you feel like letting your tires go flat like letting the mice build a nest in your muffler like being no more than a truck in the weeds clucking with chickens or sticky with honey or holding a skinny old man in your lap while he watches the road waiting for someone to wave to you feel like waving you feel like stopping the car and dancing around on the road 
you wave instead and leave your hand out gliding lark light over the wheat, over the houses. That's great. Isn't that great? That was really good. It, I mean, it speaks to like a very relatable experience, like for anybody that has driven like through like that region of the country, you yeah. know, of just like this kind of like endless, but like still pit- picturesque like experience of being in that like plains Midwestern region. I took a writing class in college that was like Appalachian sort of writing and we we were given prompts to try and create things like what you've just read which baked within me a deep (laughs) appreciation for people who can actually do the shit yeah uh, and have it not be complete garbage uh that that was that was really good so i i just two more things about ted kuzer one he has written a book that i have not read but i'm excited about called the poetry home repair manual i love that (laughs) came out in 2007 um and it's it's all just kind of tools and insights and instructions on you know how to hone your craft if you are interested in poetry Uh, and the other thing i will say and it just was sunset in 2022 but he edited for 15 years a weekly newspaper column called american life and poetry which they made available to newspapers around the country to publish for free. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so it was just kind of what it would they would do is 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 he or his team would pick a poem and he'd write like a little intro and then the idea was that any newspaper that wanted it could publish it. That's really neat. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, it was it was a partnership with uh, Poetry Foundation. Uh, he was a poet laureate in two thousand four, and it kind of came out of that. Um, because as you know, poet laureates are given the keys to the country. Oh, baby, yeah, they're the they're the ones pulling the strings. How do you want to spread poetry? And then they say, "I want to own the newspapers," and they say, yeah. "Yes, sir." Yes, sir, <laughs> Mister Poet Laureate. That's a hard <laughs> word to say. Can I steal you away? Yes. Griffin. Yeah. You know it's a shame. What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be 
the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Styles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can you can sell? Uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain Trans representation in media is at an all-time high, with trans entertainers gracing the screens, large and small. But trans voices, especially black trans voices, are rarely centered in our own stories. That's why we bring you a new limited series called We See Each Other, the podcast, co-hosted by me, journalist, and better half of the Max Fun Podcast, Fanta, Travel Anderson, and me, award-winning journalist and media personality, Char Jossel. All of it is based on my book, We See Each Other, A Black Trans Journey Through TV and Film, now listen, folks, we're having a very different kind of conversation. It's giving kitchen table talk. Mm-hmm. We get into the discourse, honey. Tune in to We See Each Other, the podcast at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get Slayworthy Audio. The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Diablo 4. Final Fantasy 16. Street Fighter 6. Baldur's Gate 3. Starfield. Spider-Man 2. Master Detective Archives Raincoat for Nintendo Switch? No, is that just me? (laughs) (laughs) It's a huge time for video games. You need somebody to tell you what's good, what's not so good, and what's amazing. I'm Jason Schreier. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. We're the hosts of Triple Click a video game podcast for anyone who likes games. Find us at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Is your wonderful thing this week, Nebraska? <laughs> it is, uh, unfortunately, yeah. And now it's, in, it's uncomfortable because you've just talked so much shit about, about the big, beautiful state of Nebraska. I don't know anything about Nebraska either. I don't either. I know more about Nebraska now after uh-huh. hearing that poem um, than I did before. Um, no, I'm going to talk about deer hoof, which you probably do. They probably do have deer in Nebraska. And okay. they probably do have hooves. It's, but, a, good, it's a good segue. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it felt very natural. Deer hoof, though, is uh, an American indie rock band that has been around since 1994, which was almost 30 years ago, they're still making music, which is a pretty fucking good run. Like, uh, some 41 just hung it up. And I don't think they started in 1994, you know what I mean? Yeah. That was the gold standard to me before that. <laughs> um, I wanna focus on my favorite album of theirs, which uh, was 2005's uh, The Runners 4, uh, which I believe, we, we talked a bit before we started recording, came out, I think was the next album after where you kind of uh, had had been introduced. Yeah, so I knew Milkman uh, came out in 2004. I remember being super excited about it. I may or may not actually have that CD somewhere in this house, uh, but I I was super into them, and then they totally disappeared from yeah. my radar. They, they were very prolific in the uh, mid-aughts, uh, but they are they are still putting out jams. I think they have an album that's coming out this, this year. Yeah. Um, 
So to kind of paint a picture, up until college, my musical tastes were very much uh, informed by my older brothers, but it really was just like three bands. It was like They Might Be Giants. It was like Ben Folds Five, um, maybe some Dave Matthews band mixed in there occasionally. But it wasn't like, those are great, you know, great bands and foundational music for me for sure. But that was it. And yeah. I hadn't listened to, I hadn't really experienced like cool music or music that I thought was like cool until I was in college and my cool college friends uh, made me some some mix CDs and one of them was The Runners 4. And instantly, the first time I listened to it, I was convinced that I had like stumbled upon this like artifact of just cool weird alien music that i've never heard before um so if you've never heard dear huff here's a track off the runners for probably my favorite track on the album called uh your our two Deerhoof formed in 1994, like I said. It was an experimental, improvisational noise punk band, which doesn't sound good to me. (laughs) As far as I can tell, that means that they did, like, fucked up stuff to their guitars on stage in a live environment. Yeah. Um, And... Uh, they 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 kind of just did that for a very long time. They didn't really their star didn't rise until almost a decade after they formed. They released an album in two thousand three called Apple O, which was really where they found their niche, um, playing just this like blown out, super funky kind of poppy indie rock with these bizarre, gentle kind of lilting vocals from uh, their singer Satomi Matsuzaki. Um, and that album was huge. Uh, it was very anti-war. It had this huge anti-war message, which in 2003 was um, v- very noteworthy uh, at the time. So Rolling Stone and Pitchfork uh, elevated it and called it, you know, the one of the best albums of the year, one of the best albums of the aughts. Um, and uh, they, I would say throughout the 2000s, they just kind of continued to... Uh, be be heaped upon with praise uh, as an indie darling. Uh, but in 2005, they recorded The Runners 4 in a San Francisco studio. And just for shits and giggles, they took turns being vocalists oh. on, the, on the album. There's 20 tracks on this thing. And they're not all great uh, because some of them is <laughs> not the best singer is on it. Yeah. They didn't do this again. This was the only album where they're like, wouldn't it be fun if we all just all sang uh and then by the next one they're like let's actually change up the members of the band and let's just have like one or two singers from now on uh but the the songs on this album that hit hit so very 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 hard uh which which i appreciate it is a strange fit i think when you hear these the, the specifically the 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 vocals from satomi matsuzaki to think like this is an album that gets me pumped up out of my fucking mind just because of how hard that uh that they go with the guitars and the bass and the the blown out drums and stuff yeah it's 
It's funny because the word that keeps coming to mind for me is interesting. And that always sounds like the thing. <laughs> Dismissive. It sounds like the thing you say when you don't really like something, but that's not actually true. It's like the kind of song that you could listen to over and over again and you would always pull something out of it that yeah. was new. You know, it's very complex, I guess maybe is a better word. Yeah. And, and I mean, experimental in the truest form. Like I had not, I don't know that I had ever heard a studio album before. I listened to the runners for that was like s- kind of sloppy, kind of like uh, the the tempo just kind of bounces, just kind of wanders back and forth between several different uh, points, and the the instruments are rarely like super in sync, and there's like no effects applied to the vocals, like hardly at all throughout yeah. the whole thing, and it's it was so uh, it, it, it was. Uh, I, I think it took me a while to really get into their music because a lot of it is like I think more experimental than I usually have patience for. But there's something just undeniably cool about somebody who can a, a, a band that can have that kind of sloppy experimental vibe, yeah, and make it make it work. Yeah, um, no, I I had a really close friend in college who was very into Sonic Youth. Yeah, same exact. Yeah, thing. and it was the kind of band that I never probably would have chose for myself. But like having her be into it was like really helpful for me to be like, oh yeah, you know what? I get it. I, I like this song. Maybe I don't like that song, but this one's really cool and not anything I would have heard otherwise. I it, it it's funny you mentioned Sonic Youth because I lump them very much into the same category of bands I discovered. I started college in 2005 and it was a very transformative time, you know, for for anyone. But, you know, we were going through some stuff that was a big, big shakeup. And also at the same time, I was having just this fucking Cambrian explosion of musical influence uh, where just my whole world opened up. And, And it was a really fun time for this kind of music, too, because like you had... I, I harbor the same kind of fondness for like Wolf Parade yeah. and Islands and Broken Social Scene and Stars and a lot of these bands that were like releasing albums in the in the mid aughts mm-hmm. that were just really good indie rock music for the most part and were also like playing every music festival. And yeah. so when I you know, when I go to when I went to the Pitchfork Music Festival and saw like uh, oh God, what's the uh, what's the band that did Crown on the Ground? Uh ri- Oh, Real, real. I, I can remember all their song names, but can't remember the name of them. Anyway, them too, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> all of these bands that were in a really important sort of time in my life that were kind of. Are you Googling who did that? Uh, yes, gonna because it's going to make me crazy if I don't. But um, I can see it. Like, I can see the I can album see cover. The name of the, yeah, I can see the artist. Sleigh bells. Sleigh bells. God, thank you. Um, yeah, that was brutal. I, it, it was a wild time in my life, and it was a wild time for this genre of music, and they really aligned in a spectacular fashion. And so, whenever I listen to Deerhoof's music, like it just takes me right. It takes me right back. Can there. I ask? I just remembered you worked at the college radio station. I did. Yeah. I was always worked as a <laughs> very generous <laughs> verb. 
I never really understood. It seemed like a lot of people that were in charge of college radio somehow knew these bands that I had never come across or heard of. And this was in a time period where people were like, didn't carry the internet around in their pocket. Sure. You know, and it took like real effort to learn of these like new cool bands. Did you, were you given some kind of edge? Were they like, hey, Griffin, next week, you should know that there's this band and they're super cool. Um, okay, a few answers to this question. Okay. One, I would say that people who volunteer their time to work at um, college radio stations are usually a bit more plugged into, you know, the the music industry scene of whatever genre that their show represents a bit more than 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 the average bear Uh Um, but also like uh college radio stations and again probably doesn't work like this anymore it would be fucking wild in fact if it did uh but we would get sent like albums we would get sent cds by yeah that would make sense you know promoters or by the label itself yeah Um, and and so yeah you kind of at at uh, WMUL was that what it was that what it was? Oh my god, I can't believe I just forgot the name of the college radio station I used to work at. Uh, there would just be like filing cabinets filled with CDs, and each one would have like a label on it that was like, "This is a indie pop thing." That oh. I don't know who that was for because I never ever it, I just burned my own CDs from home, which we weren't really supposed to do because uh, yeah. it had to be cleared for. Um, bad words yeah which we may have let a couple of them (laughs) but our show was also at like one in the morning so nobody really cared anyway uh i want to lead it off or i guess leave with um uh one last track from the runners four uh and it has a guitar riff that has been stuck in my mind going on 18 years now it's so fucking funky uh it's called spirit ditties of no tone That's it for the show this week. Very artsy. Very arts. Very artsy. Hey, before you start thanking people and things, can you share Do, a yes. listener submission? I, I would love to share a listener submission. I got a couple of them right here. And the first one of the listener submissions that I have starred in the inbox and will begin reading right now is from <laughs> Emmett. Who says, my small wonder this week is taking a shower when you're actually dirty. Whether it's from adventuring, gardening, painting, or DIY, there's something so satisfying about taking a shower when there's something visible to wash off. Wow. Love love that. I don't know if I can remember the last time. That you got like mud. (laughs) Yeah. I spent a lot of my life now avoiding that. There will be a lot of opportunities with our children to get dirty, and I will look at Griffin and be like, "Will you? Will you?" And then yeah, I don't mind. I used to give a shit. I don't. <laughs> I think. I think. I don't know what changed. But like <laughs> the other day, I was playing with Gus, and we were just laying down in the grass, and I was like, 
this is not something that I would, of course, we, you know, used to live in the woods. And so laying down in the grass, <laughs> which <laughs> give us any number of. Wasn't really grass yeah. to speak of. No, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about like, like dirt, like when you Dirty see dirt. dirt on the floor of the shower. Yeah. I can't. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, my wonderful thing this week says Kaylee. My wonderful thing this week is airport architecture. Any airport you go to, there will always be something absolutely wild, from a wall covered in paper cranes to a ceiling of neon lights or maybe a ginormous devil horse statue. I think it's pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah. I am really into, since we moved to D.C., I really like the Reagan Airport. Reagan Airport kicks ass. It's got some pretty wild, they've made some pretty wild choices with that one. Yeah, like you you go through security and then you like walk into this like huge, like rounded, like old timey looking airplane hangar situation and it is- And the floor is covered with panels of light across like a bridge at some point. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, does DCA, is that also the one that has the underground, uh, like long ass escalator with a running billboard, like video advertisement that goes across the walls? I think that might be Dulles. That might be Dulles actually. Yeah. Cause that's where I flew out of last. It's fucking not great. Cause it's a long, (laughs) long, long underground tunnel that like goes under the whole like runway. And while you're there, there's one car insurance company that's like blaring music and then there's just like a video that is playing on this long screen that runs the length of the thing. It's probably not a great ad if I can't remember the name of the company or the thing. Yeah, even though yeah. I was subject to it for like three and a half minutes. <laughs> anyway, um, that's it for real. Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song. Money won't pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Go to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the shows there. We are going to be in Columbus and Milwaukee doing um, a Bim Bam and Taz this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I think Columbus, Friday, Saturday, and Milwaukee on Sunday. There will also be uh, Sawbones, Sawbones and Schmanners. Sawbones opening, yes. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to have a good-ass time, and you should come and see us because uh, I bet you'll have a good time too. Uh, go to McElroy.Family. You can find links to all that stuff. And I think that's it. Yeah, I saw somebody talking about how they liked listening to this podcast when they clean. Yeah. Uh, So I thought maybe uh, we could close out the show with some kind of like inspirational, like cleaning. Cleaning. Yeah. So I I thought maybe you could start um, with all of, you know, you're kind of a neat freak. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Don't give up. Scrub it down. (laughs) <laughs> don't give up scrub it down is good that there's I a do parallel. don't give up yes don't like give that. up scrub uh-huh. it down <laughs> um i was gonna say um keep um you introduced this bit. <laughs> well you really crushed it in a way that i wasn't anticipating i was just oh, gonna I say see. i was gonna say stuff like uh, uh one more time dampen <laughs> One more time, dampen is better than mine. <laughs> you think so? In every measurement is better. <laughs> One more time, dampen. <laughs>
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.